you know, it might be even better motivation for you to say you need to drink more because you'll be a better parent. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And talk, it's about, not a, talk about overselling hydration. I was say it's we uh, need to we go into marketing for Gatorade and Powerade, man. Well, yeah, you know we have a, a future in I don't know motivational speeches or whatever. Right. They say three ways to, to be a millionaire to, to drink water. Um, that, 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 that'll be our motivational speaking niche. <laughs> to drink water, and you'll <laughs> you'll enjoy life more and be a millionaire. That's, right. That's right. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching Informants. My name is George Darden. I'm an athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Patrick Ollinger, also an athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. And a homeowner. Yep. Which is important because we are recording outside of our regular so-called recording studio and we are back in Patrick's house. So, Mm -hmm. right on. If you want to know what books Patrick has on his shelf, you want to know what pictures he has on his walls, I can tell you. Um, but I'm not going to. Don't worry, Patrick. So, um, yeah, you'll notice the books stop at like 2012. Why when things go digital, you see like just a line of yearbooks and annual uh, handbooks, and then all of a sudden it stops at about 2012. Oh yeah, I have I have a very mixed mixed feeling about this. I know you're a Seinfeld fan, and there's a Seinfeld episode about this about like keeping your books as trophies after you read them. Like, why do you need to keep them after you read them? Uh-huh. I totally keep them as trophies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and so so now I'll read a book on my on my my phone or something, and I'm like, okay, what am I going to put on the shelf? <laughs> anyway, I hashtag academic problems. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag first world problems for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, all right. So uh, today we're talking about hydration. Uh, talk to us background for us a little bit there, uh, Patrick. Sure. So today we're going to talk about hydration and how it how it uh, plays into race planning and you know, training and how, how you want to plan out your day to make sure you're, you're properly hydrated, so to speak. And we're going to go over some, some recent research. But first, I want to start off with some overarching points that matter because we're not going to get, get into some of the, the overarching points, but I want to make them first before we really dive into the, to the research. So the first one may seem like an obvious one, but it is simply that hydration matters. Mm-hmm. For the long events, the Ironman, triathlon, marathon, half marathon, you really need to have a hydration plan not just for your races, but also for your long runs and maybe your longer tempo runs. If you are newer to marathon running, for example, and you've only done the, the mile and the 5K on the track, you may not pay as much attention to hydration. But for these longer races, it really does matter, and it can derail an entire run and an entire race. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll take it a step farther um, that, that it doesn't just matter for running itself. It matters in, in life more broadly. Yes. Um, and, and I mean, there, there's just a whole lot of things that, that staying hydrated has been shown to do. It lowers your blood viscosity so that blood is easier to pump through your body and your, your heart doesn't have to work as hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it keeps you cooler by allowing your body's cooling mechanisms to trigger earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the less hydrated you are, your body's cooling mechanisms will kick in later. Uh, strangely and ironically and paradoxically enough. Um, it prevents dry mouth, which actually can be linked to cavities, mm-hmm. um, which is something I didn't know actually prior to, to doing the research for this podcast. It keeps your skin supple. Um, it helps your muscle and joints work better. It lubricates them, and it makes it easy to get nutrients to them and waste out of them. Um, it promotes kidney function. Um, and this idea, by the way, of like you need to drink a lot of water because it flushes toxins from your body. Okay. There's no such thing as like toxins. Like if you like, I need to do a three day detox. You hear people talk, talking about doing that. Yeah, that's totally hokey. And, right. that, and that's Miss Cleo lied to me. Yeah, no. I mean, like like this idea that you have these toxins sitting in your body. Um, yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. But 
Um, your body does have uh, a, a natural uh, physiological mechanism by which it cleans itself out, and that's your kidneys. And so it promotes good kidney function, ergo it gets rid of the waste products in your body more readily. Um, it might, I think, even, uh, not I think, but it, it might even promote brain function. Uh, there was a study in Great Britain um, a couple of years ago that showed that students who brought water into an exam actually did better on the exam. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly and glaringly, they didn't actually ask the students or measure the students or observe the students drinking the water. So we don't know whether the, having the water or drinking the water actually did, had something to do with the exam, but, you know, one more might do that. Uh, but there was a study at Michigan last year um, that, uh, that also showed that people who were inadequately hydrated had increased odds of being obese. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, all sorts of things besides, you know, we're talking about in a race context here, um, but there, there's, there's all sorts of other things that, that are uh, related to hydration that are, that are certainly worthwhile and important to consider in life at large. And adding on to your last point about kind of how hydration links to diet. Um, I can't cite a specific study, but I know I've talked to several doctors who recommend that if you're ever hungry, drink a glass of water first, because mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of times we're just thirsty, and mm-hmm. then when we have the glass of water, we realize, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need this giant hulking pizza. I can just eat a salad and be good to go. Yeah, yeah. The 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 thirst mechanism is sometimes disguised as a hunger mechanism. Correct. Um, or at least our brain is not quite picky enough um, or discerning enough to be able to distinguish between those two impulses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so interestingly enough, yeah, sometimes you're thirsty and you're like, oh, I'm hungry. Well, no, actually you're thirsty. Um, mm-hmm. That's a much stronger, more powerful impulse because your body needs water sooner than it needs food and nutrients. Um, also, of course, it does need nutrients, but but your, your body can go longer without food than it can without water. Um, Correct. So all that is to say is it's important. It sounds very simple and basic. Of course, water is important. Hydration is important. But Oddly enough, it's not a topic that is, you know, always often discussed, or at least not in the first chapters of a running book, for example. Right, right. Um, so we wanted to talk about it today. I'm, I'm going to throw a couple more studies at you. Go ahead. <laughs> because they work a little bit better here at the outset. Okay. Uh, you know, and so, so um, there was also a 2015 study from the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Um, it was in the American Journal of Public Health, and it said that very more than, familiar with them. Yeah. So yeah, um, it said that more than half of all children and adolescents in the United States are not getting enough hydration. And so if you consider what we just said about like how it affects your cognitive abilities, if more than half the children and adolescents in the United States are not getting enough hydration, that's obviously a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could have significant repercussions on their physical health and their cognitive and emotional functioning. Um, they literally looked at 4,000 children and adolescents aged 16, or 6 to 19 years. And so it was a huge study. Um, interestingly enough, um, tragically enough, distressingly enough, they also found that black children and adolescents uh, were at higher risk of inadequate hydration than, than white kids. And boys were at higher risk uh, of dehydration than girls. Mm-hmm. Um, boys were 76% more likely than girls to be dehydrated. Uh, and non-Hispanic blacks were 34% more likely than non-Hispanic whites to be inadequately hydrated. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, we, we talk a lot about the achievement gap. It might just be that we need to put more water fountains in schools. Right? Yeah, and uh, I can speak anecdotally. I can't speak to the disparities necessarily, but I was a summer camp director for several years. Mm-hmm. And we were literally, it was literally a summer camp in the desert. We were about 60 miles east of Los Angeles. And it was amazing how many we'd run around all morning playing mm-hmm. Ultimate Frisbee or hiking up the mountain or something. Mm-hmm. And then people would come in and order a Coke. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a yeah. minute. <laughs> let's let's make some water here. I actually ended up coming up with a game where I would mix water and juice and then mm-hmm. call it my secret formula. And they would see it was like a slightly different color and think I was actually making something special. And I, that would be my way to sneak water into people's lunches. Yeah, you're the man. Um, but yeah, I'm, it, we talked about hydration in children. It's amazing, you know, 
I mean, kids are kids. They're going to reach for the Capri Sun, and the mm-hmm. Coca-Cola, the high C first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, but then comes the sugar crash. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, and we're going to talk about um, you know different liquids and, and their absorption rates and, and, and how well they, they, they serve to hydrate you in a little while. Um, but one of the things you'll hear me say when I say that is that you not only have to think about the, the liquid content, but you also have to think about what's getting into your body at the same time the liquid's getting there. Right. Um, and that's kind of... I, I think I think what you run into a lot with kids mm-hmm. um, is that okay well, well even if they are um, even if they are drinking enough well maybe they're drinking something that's very heavily very sugary and that would in turn contribute to obesity right and so um, yeah I, I think that 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 uh, because of the childhood obesity epidemic mm-hmm. in the United States we tend to to cut down on giving them juice or giving them that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, and in turn that's that's cutting out the sugar in their life, which is good, but it also could be potentially cutting out the, the liquid in their life, which is not good. Right. Um, yeah. Um, so, um, like I said, okay, so I'll throw one other study at you. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, and, and I kind of went a little bit down a rabbit hole, to be honest, when it came to dehydration. And it's easy to do because there's a lot of stuff out there about it. Um, and Did you have a glass of water as you were going so, down the rabbit hole? You know hole? what's funny? No. Um, <laughs> and I wouldn't have thought about that. And as, as I'm sitting here, I'm actually sort of thirsty. So I'm wondering if um, I'm wondering if like you know now it's in the front of my head. But anyway, uh, there was a study at UConn um, that they did in 2011 and 2012. They took 25 women and 26 uh, men, um, and they they measured mild dehydration. So mild dehydration is what they call 1.5 percent dehydration, 2 percent dehydration. So you've lost 2 percent of your 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 body's weight in water um, is where they start really noting severe defects in in both your athletic performance and your cognitive performance and everything else. But mild dehydration would be 1.5 percent. And so what they did is they took uh, about 50 people, about half men, about half women, um, and they were all healthy, active individuals. They were not high performance athletes, but they weren't sedentary evil. They, they that sedentary either they did about uh, 30 60 minutes worth of exercise every mm-hmm. day um so you know good solid fit people generally right. um they induced dehydration by walking on a treadmill for about 40 minutes and then they put them through a battery of cognitive tests that measured vigilance concentration reaction time learning memory and reasoning um, and then they compared the results of those post treadmill post dehydration tests with a separate series of tests where they were not dehydrated. They had taken and established a baseline, uh, baseline before. Uh, they published, for some reason, they published the two of them separately. Um, they published the, the, the study on the women in the Journal of Nutrition, um, and they found that mild dehydration caused headaches, fatigue, and difficulty concentrating. Um, and the women also perceived tasks as being more difficult when they were slightly dehydrated, um, although there was no real substantive reduction in their cognitive abilities. And so the perceived exertion went mm-hmm. up. Um, and then they, they published the men in the British Journal of Nutrition. Um, they found that, that mild dehydration for the men caused some difficulty with mental tasks, particularly in the areas of vigilance and working memory. Um, they also experienced fatigue, tension, and anxiety when mildly dehydrated. Um, um, of course, you know, like I said, the, the adverse changes in mood and symptoms were substantially greater in females than in males, both at rest and uh, during exercise. Uh, but here's what I thought was the interesting part. And I want to talk about so this dehydration, the way that we've both felt about it in races here, but this is interesting. The, one of the lead researchers, a guy named Harris Lieberman, uh, said, quote, even mild dehydration that can occur during the course of an ordinary daily activities can degrade how we're feeling, especially for women who appear to be more susceptible to the adverse effects of low levels of dehydration than men. In both sexes, these adverse mood changes may limit the motivation required to engage in even moderate aerobic exercise. Mild dehydration may also interfere with other daily activities, even when there is no physical de- uh, demand component present. 
So in other words, like if you're mildly dehydrated throughout the course of the day, and you're an athlete, and let's go ahead and presume that everybody who's listening to this is an athlete and does training and all that sort of thing, it's going to, to, it's going to influence your motivation to actually get out the door and do your training that day. Right. Which I think is kind of fascinating. To, to, so, so putting aside all the, the performance aspects, and, and certainly the performance aspects are, are reflected in this dehydration stuff as well. Um, but yeah, you might actually not be motivated to do your training because you're dehydrated. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you did your training yesterday and you didn't adequately rehydrate afterwards and your low motivation is low today to get back out the door. That might be why. Mm-hmm. Um, because you didn't get enough water or enough rehydration following your exercise session last night. Mm-hmm. I thought that was super fascinating. I don't know. Patrick's it, looking at me like he's kind of bored. I don't know. No. Um. <laughs> um, I, to me, I, I, I got to say, where I find that most relevant is, if you would ask me what the hardest run of the week is mm-hmm. on any given week, mm-hmm. like ref, to reflect back, yeah. it's never the long run, the tempo run. It's never the the run that's the hardest on mm-hmm. training peaks. Yeah. It's always the one that comes after the longest day of work. Yeah. And usually that means that's the, also the day... I'm in long meetings. I probably didn't eat lunch. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, I might have had a trip to the water fountain or something like yeah. that. And so I think it's really interesting to think about how, when talking about hydrating yourself throughout the day, you know, throughout the work day, it may not be very motivating to say, oh, well, you'll feel fatigued, bored, etc. Because mm-hmm. you may say, hey, I'm like that every day at work. <laughs> um, but what can really be motivating is to say, this is going to help you get out the door when you get home yeah. and to be revitalized when you get home, yeah. whether it be for a workout, for, you know, uh, family time, whatever it is, it can kind of help kind of keep you going Absolutely. towards the end of the day. And it's not something as I'm sure everybody knows listening to this, but I'll just state it anyways. Hydration is not something you can say, I'm thirsty. I'm going to chug three Nalgene's right now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of something that has to be gradual. You mm-hmm. have to kind of consistently drink water throughout the day yeah yeah um, for sure and we're going to talk about absorption rates here in just a few mm-hmm. minutes but yeah absolutely so that's a very interesting way to frame it you know if maybe somebody has a hard time motivating themselves to, to have a water bottle at their desk or at mm-hmm. their workplace and to kind of consistently take time out of their day to go to the water fountain and, and kind of stay on this one extra source of motivation could be you'll feel better when you get home mm-hmm. when you get off work yeah and you won't have that yeah. quite as that sleepy eyed yeah. I mean, and I like what you said a second ago about putting in this larger context of not just thinking about it as an athlete, but think about like being a good parent. Right. You know? And so, so, I mean, you know, so Paul Ryan, mm-hmm. Speaker of the House, just announced that he's going to be not running for re-election this year. Okay. Right? Um, and the reason he cited is the same reason everybody cites that, that you know, they're, they're getting out of politics. They want to spend more time with their families. He, he, did, said, he didn't announce it on Facebook, did he? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't announce it via Twitter? No, I don't yeah. think he did. Um, but uh, but he, he, he said, specifically said, I'm tired of being a weekend dad. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, and I, but I think that, that most people can, can sympathize with that notion of being like, okay, I want to be a better parent. Yeah. When I'm with my children, I want to be more there for them. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to consider if you drink more water, mm-hmm. you will be more there for your kids. Mm-hmm. Because when you get home, you're not going to be as wiped out from everything you did throughout the course of the day because... And, and, and you'll be more mentally engaged with your children, therefore you can be a better parent. Right. And so, so maybe, maybe you know, trying to say, hey, you need to need to drink more in order to, to, to be able to train. It might be even a better motivation for you to say, you need to drink more because you'll be a better parent. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And talk, it's about, not a, talk about overselling hydration. I was say it's we uh, need to we go into marketing for Gatorade and Powerade, man. Well, yeah, you know we have a, a future in I don't know motivational speeches or whatever. Right. They say three ways to, to be a millionaire to, to drink water. Um, that, that, that'll be our motivational speaking niche. <laughs> Drink water and you'll, you'll enjoy life more and be a That's millionaire. Right. That's right. 
But in all seriousness, you know, when it comes to, <laughs> to, to kind of the hydrating for a run, sometimes it can be hard to truly identify and say, hey, this is why I had a tough run or a mm-hmm. tough workout. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, I do think there's something to be said for when you are mentally fatigued at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you can, you know, and you have the decision fatigue. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is a bit easier to point to, okay, let's look back at what have I eaten today? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what did I have water today? That kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit, in my mind at least, in my experience, there's a bit more of a one-to-one correlation. Or sure. I shouldn't even say one-to-one correlation, but just correlation in general. Yeah. And and I also think so so kind of bringing it back into the to the realm of, of sports so looking at like the things that they listed for men uh, in the British Journal of Nutrition that with mild dehydration because let's face it by the end of a long race you're going to be at least mildly dehydrated even if you stayed on top of your of your hydration right. throughout the course of the race you're going to be somewhat dehydrated by the end of a race right. um, but they said specifically um, they had difficulty with me- with mental tasks particularly in the areas of vigilance and working memory. Mm-hmm. I've often said that the thing that goes for me, and I've said it on this podcast before, the thing that goes for me at the end of a race is numeracy. And so I literally, I mean, I remember being in Kona um, and on the run, and I was like, I was late in the run. It was like mile 22 or 23, and I was like, what mile is next? I don't, have I gone through 23 miles? I, I didn't know exactly where I, I knew that, that, that I was in the final 10K of the race, but I, did, I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. I, my working memory was not serving me to say, what was the last mile marker that I saw? <laughs> right, I, I had no idea, you know, and and ultimately, I, I should have assumed it was going to be. I was not as far as I was because that's exactly what it was, you know. But but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've experienced some of these things in in extreme conditions. I certainly can say that, that that I've experienced issues with vigilance and working memory, and so it makes sense that in less extreme conditions and mild dehydration, I probably just on the job um, have had issues of with vigilance and working memory as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, what else, man? So, so we, we, we digressed a whole lot in your big first macro point there. That's like- okay. It's what we do. We have uh, fun conversations here. Um, <laughs> and then the seven kind of, or excuse me, the second overarching point, if I can get my words out, maybe I need a drink of water, uh, is that fueling is, or hydration is an individual pursuit. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, you know, there was the rule of thumb that you should have eight glasses or eight eight ounce glasses of water every day. Um, obviously, you know, there is some variability based on, you know, pers- from person to person based on your gender, your age, how much you're running, how much you're cycling, how much you're swimming, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So I would h- highly recommend to everybody to find a routine that works and try to stick to that routine, mm-hmm. you know, and we can talk more about that a little bit later. But a lot of times there is some trial and error, right? You can't simply say, all right, if I just chug these 64 ounces when I wake up in, in the morning, mm-hmm. everything's going to be splendid and dandy. Mm-hmm. There is some variability. So, you know, feel free to take this podcast, take some of the discussions that we have and incorporate them into your own life, into a routine that works for you. Yeah. And I, and I would say actually, okay, so several things. I, I would say, say the, the first thing, so the so-called urine test, you know, you've yep. heard about that before, right? Everybody's heard about that. I like to think everybody's heard about that, yes. right? That you go by the color of your urine. You're, are, you, are you going frequently, and is it is it copious, and and uh, what color is it, right? right? If it's a pale color, that means that, that that your urine is diluted and that you're well hydrated, right? By the way, mm-hmm. um, when in the literature on hydration, when they talk about going to the bathroom, they refer to it as voiding. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't believe I'll ever refer to it that way in I, my regular well, life. Well, if we're going to become 
motivational speakers about hydration. That's going to be our niche. We might need to adopt that that verbiage. Um, anyway, um, um, so, God, I talked about that, and clearly I need some water. I'm losing my train of thought. Um, oh, um, but, but there's lots of different kind of... Um, uh, legends, I guess you could say, or myths. Um, I don't want to go so far, so far as called myths, but um, practices that aren't necessarily grounded. Yeah. Um, eight glasses a day is one of those, and that's what made me think of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, drinking a glass of water when you get up first thing in the morning is is another one of those mm-hmm. um, that that I've heard in several occasions. So people will say, "Well, well, I've been asleep for seven hours, and of course I wasn't drinking any water for seven hours, um, and so that must mean that I'm dehydrated. So when I get up, I need to make sure I drink a glass of water." Um, you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's. I understand the logic of that thinking, but but most people are not dehydrated when they first wake up in the morning, um, unless they've been sweating all night long because they were having nightmares or you know were in a super hot place. Um, but I would say that kind of similar to what you just said. If that's a way to squeeze in some water, if when you're half asleep, yeah, <laughs> yeah, go ahead and go for it. I don't think it's going to hurt you necessarily. Um, but the idea that you have to rehydrate first thing in the morning after after sleeping all night long is is, is not scientifically. And valid. that one for me in particular. So I wake up and essentially beeline to the coffee pot. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I do want a glass of water in that first hour because, as mm-hmm. you know, coffee essentially dehydrates you. It does, but but to not not to as, as huge a degree as as it could. Right. Yeah, it depends on how much you're drinking. How much coffee do you drink a day? Because you've talked about coffee before. A uh, cup in the morning and then cup at lunch. See, that's not a lot of coffee. Yeah. There, there are people who literally drink coffee nonstop to lunch. Yeah. yeah that's... So, so, so that, that's not all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but anyway. Um, um, so, so yeah, kind of be, be aware of those lures. The other thing that it makes me think of is the, the whole eight glasses of eight ounces a day. Mm-hmm. That's 64 ounces of water. That's a lot of water. That's right? a lot of water. Yeah, and 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 the idea that that a 250 pound man um, is supposed to drink eight glasses a day, and that's the same as a 115 pound woman. Mm-hmm. Um, that's ridiculous. Um, likewise, a 180 pound man who sits on the couch versus a 120 pound woman who runs marathons and and, and is running 10 to 15 miles a day. Yeah, they always have very different needs as well. Right. And so so that idea of 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 everybody having the same general amount to drink is, is just inaccurate. I would suggest that, that, that not only to use a urine test, like we just said, but also kind of look for these markers that we were just talking about. Mm. If you find that by the end of the day you're losing motivation and, and that your working memory, if you're a guy, isn't really going all well for you, or that, that, that by the end of the day, if you're a woman, you have, you have a lot of mood swings, um, then, then that could suggest that, that by the end of the day you're becoming dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, if you continually have... Like like week over week and month over month and year over year, you have a hard time getting out for that post work run. Mm-hmm. It could be, and you don't drink water during the course of the day. It mm-hmm. could be that that you're getting dehydrated throughout the course of the day. And so I I think that using those indicators of of dehydration is better than saying, oh, well, I didn't drink eight glasses a day, ergo I'm not hydrated. Right. Um. Yeah. Um. I think it's also worth mentioning in this context too, um, the idea of hyponatremia, mm-hmm. which has gotten a lot of attention lately. Um, hyponatremia is, is, is a lot of folks who are listening are probably aware of is the idea of drinking too much water. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, the, the notion behind it or the, the, the belief behind it is that if you drink a whole bunch of water as your body voids the water, 
Um, well I, done, sir. Thank you. Um, as 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 it is as it escapes your body, um, it takes with it electrolytes and other valuable nutrients mm-hmm. that need to remain in your body, um, and and it dilutes your blood and it dilutes your, your your system to such a degree that your system's not able to to, to function correctly. Um, that's a thing. Yes, it is. Yeah, and 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 that is a thing, and I and I don't want to to um, to to downplay that at all. Um, so. It is possible to drink too much water, and it is possible that 64 ounces of water could be a little bit too much if you're 70 pounds, mm-hmm. right, and, and, and not really all that active. Uh, and so it's kind of important to kind of keep that in mind as well. Um, hyponatremia, kind of as a side note, um, it's gotten a lot more attention over the course of the past few years thanks to a South African scientist named Tim Noakes. Um, and Tim Noakes is an interesting guy. He's kind of known for three big things. Um, the first thing was uh, some stuff around the brain um, as the, the so-called central governor, the brain acting as the central governor um, in the 1990s. Um, and that was kind of a paradigm-shifting um, research or theory about the way the brain interacts with the body. And as it's turning out, there's been a lot of studies over the course of the past few years um, that have, have borne it out. Mm-hmm. Um, more recently, there's two things he, he's, he's been into. One is this idea of hyponatremia. And the other is is about ketosis and high fat and, and all that and and, uh, and and low carbohydrate for for distance athletes. Um, he's kind of a lightning rod, and he purposely throughout his career has has served an iconoclastic purpose. He kind of he he, he purposely very vehemently stakes out an outlying claim. Um, and that's probably a good thing for the field of science because it forces scientists to rethink some of their long-held beliefs um, and, and makes them look at the broader structure in which they're doing their scientific research. But you have to understand that he kind of has a little bit of an agenda with that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so so, so hyponatremia, he's like, it's the worst thing ever. And he writes this 400-page book called Waterlog that comes out in 2012 and, and, and makes a speaker circuit, da 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 and and in there he says there's been 12 people who have died from hyponatremia 12 All right now that's terrible i don't i don't want to 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 oversell that but of the hundreds of thousands and millions of people who who engage in in road races and 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 endurance events around the world on a year to year basis 12 people mm-hmm. that's not this epidemic that he is portrayed it to be yeah so Anyway, it's, it's a little bit of a digression from, from, from the, the point you were making about the individuality of hydration and how important that is. Um, uh, because hyponatremia is a thing, but, but if, you're, if you're trying not to hydrate yourself because, because you're worried about hyponatremia, that's not m- – most people are, are, are in danger of the opposite. <laughs> right. And, I, that, yeah, we can actually stick on that subject for a little bit because that's, that's an important one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I call it hyperhydrating, where someone's just chugging mm-hmm. water like yeah. crazy. Yeah. And I've seen it more often than not the day before a race, yeah. right? You know, you get nervous about a race. You, you develop what I call hand-to-mouth disease, where it's like, you you know it's coming. <laughs> but you got a big race tomorrow or this weekend, so you got to do something. So what do you do? You just sip, 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 sip on water and then never sip on any Gatorade or su- mm-hmm. sugars. So your body kind of flushes out the sugars and electrolytes. Um and that does happen. Now, it doesn't result in death, at least not that I've ever seen or experienced. It, it wouldn't but, result in death from just like as you're walking there. I mean, it, it, could, it, could, it could be pretty devastating in a race, but... And that's what I was going to get to is it can lead to 
um, essentially your body shutting down during mm-hmm. race day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when talking about kind of preparing for a race and, and what to think about, obviously you want to continue to have a lot of the same hydrating routines that you've always had and you maybe have one extra glass of water or so. Mm-hmm. And then just make sure you're mixing in the Gatorade, mm-hmm. you know, some sugars. Whether or the it noon. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It could be Skittles, gummies, just something to make sure <laughs> um, you're not flushing everything out. Yeah. And, and, and also do it over the course of several days. Correct. Um, yeah. I mean, the the uh, beginning the process of, of, of acclimating your body to holding more water, that takes several days. Yes. Yeah, and um, and so so if you're if you're doing all of it just the night before, it's not too late. It's still worthwhile. Um, but to think you can drink a week's worth if you try and drink a week's worth of water or a week's worth of hydration in a single day, you actually potentially may be doing more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I um. Well, I can't remember what I was going to say about that. What else do you have to say about that? Uh, I would <laughs> just say. So you mentioned um, Tim. I would also say this is kind of something that Alex Hutchinson. And in his book, Endure, and some of his um, speeches kind of since the release of that book has kind of harped on recently, is that, you he, know... He, interestingly enough, side note on him, the book Endure actually began, he thought it was going to be a book about Tim Noakes. Really? Yeah, because, because, because Endure is about the, the link between the brain and the body, mm-hmm. and because Tim Noakes' first big splash was in the 1990s, was about the brain and mm-hmm. the body. That that really stood out to him, and so he was kind of going. He thought it was going to be all about Tim Noakes, and then it ended up going in a different direction. But anyway, keep going. That's fascinating. I did not hear that backstory. Yeah. I, I but, literally heard that on a podcast on the way over here. All right, see, <laughs> I'm glad we did this here then. Um, <laughs> but it's just the real takeaway is most people. The issue is underhydrating on a day to day basis mm-hmm. and during race day. Mm-hmm. I would say when you come up to the weekend of the big race or the week of the big race, just one thing to keep in mind is kind of having the back of your head, have I had a Gatorade recently? Have I had a source of sugar recently? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need to be anything extreme. Like I said, you don't need to chug a Gatorade every hour or something. Mm-hmm. But just kind of know if it's been a half a day or so, you'll probably want to switch to something a bit sugary mm-hmm. to try to make sure that you're not depleting yourself. Mm-hmm. Or if it's been several hours and you haven't gone to the bathroom. I right. Mean, if, if, I mean, so, so we're recording this podcast. It's coming out the day prior to the Boston Marathon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I assume that, that you're already well into your hydration plan for the Boston Marathon. Yes. Even though the weather is forecasted to be 40 degrees or so. And it is raining Absolutely. so. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you should, and you should be well into it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so, 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 so given that, let's talk about what you use to hydrate yourself. Mm-hmm. All right? Um, and And... I want to mention um, a study that was done in the American, or that was published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition um, a couple of years ago, uh, in 2016. Uh, and what they did, it's, it was called a randomized trial to assess the potential of different beverages to affect hydration status, development of a beverage hydration index. And have you heard of the, the glycemic index? I have not, no. Okay, so a glycemic index is, is a rating of, of the sugar inside of a food, okay. um, and it's useful for people who, who have diabetes. Um, and they, well, see, now that you mentioned that my brother's diabetic, okay, so yes, yeah, I know yeah, exactly what you're yeah, talking yeah. about. So, okay. so, so there are certain foods that, that he's going to avoid because they fall in a particular place on the glycemic index, yep. and that would cause a spike in his blood sugar too much. Right. right? Um, and so, so given that, they were like, well, can we establish sort of a hydration index? And what they wanted to try and find out um, was how long different fluids stay in your body. Um, because, of course, 
some fluids will last longer in your body than others, and that would mean they provide more hydration. Um, my massage therapist, one time I was talking to her, and she's an Ironman, um, and she said, it's not about what you consume, it's what you absorb. Right. And that's kind of what they had in mind, right? If you drink eight, eight, eight ounce glasses of water every single day, and you void 60 of those 64 ounces, right. so use the word void again. That's void, two. Yes, thank you. Uh, you, you. You void 60 of the 64 ounces, you're not really going to be all that well hydrated. Okay, so you've, you've hung on to four ounces. It's not really all that worthwhile, right? Right. It's like drinking from a fire hose. Right. And, and so, so, so what they did is, is they took 72 men who were all in their mid-20s, uh, and they, all had, they had them all drink a liter of water as a standard beverage. Um, and then four hours later, two hours later, they measured the amount of water still remaining in their bodies. Um, other words, that were not voided in urine. Um, uh, and that amount that, that was still in their bodies, i.e. not voided in urine, was assigned a score of 1.0. So water was their baseline. Okay. And they said, okay, so, so and, and it accounted for those individual differences, right? So some people are going to absorb more water, some people aren't, some people are going to have, you know, be larger than others, da da da, da. Um, And what they found is that there's four beverages... Well, I'm going to tell you the beverages. I'm going to let you, to let you guess. We're going to play a little game here. Okay. Um, they, they, they took 13 beverages, and they had four beverages that they found were, were more hydrating than water. Oh, um, I did not expect that at all. I, yeah. I figured water would be the gold standard. So, so, so water was, was the standard, um, but, but they found four things that were more hydrating than water. And So I'm going to tell you the 13 different items, and I want you to guess. Okay. okay? So hot tea... Iced tea, Pedialyte, or what they call an oral rehydration solution, which is like Pedialyte. Okay. Uh, Fat-free milk, whole milk, beer, coffee, sparkling water, Coke, Diet Coke, sports drink, and orange juice. I think that was 13. I see you over there, like, furiously typing because I'm naming out 13 things. Yeah. All right, which one stands out to you? Like, which one are you certain would... Be more hydrating, or which one are you certain would not be more hydrating? And by all means, people at home, play along. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I would say the one that stands out to be the number one option would be the the sports drink. Okay, the sports drink would be more hydrating. Yes. No. Okay. Okay. So 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 and I, I should say this as well. They had they had four that were more hydrating than water, and then the remaining nine were just sort of meh. They like were neither more nor less hydrating than water. Okay. Now they had other issues with them, right? Uh, like I'll go ahead and blow it. Like Coke or you know cola was not more hydrating than water, mm-hmm. but they're not going to recommend that you hydrate using cola because it has caffeine in it, so it might keep you awake before your race, and of course it has a bunch of sugar in it as well, and and that could be bad for other reasons, right? Right, and so so they're not necessarily going to recommend that as a hydrator, but when it came to how much of it did your body hang on to, it was the same as water, or at least not significantly statistically significantly different from water. All right, so sports so, drink not not significant, Coke not significant. Not significant for COVID. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Basically the same. Gotcha. Um, In terms of hydration. Okay. Uh, I'll go with... I'm going to go outside the box here and just say fat-free milk. Yes. Okay. So so I'll go ahead and give you fat-free milk and whole milk. So okay. both of those together um, were 1.5. So you got more from drinking milk, a glass of milk, yeah. than a glass of water. Yeah. So, so, so your body hangs on to more fluids when you're drinking milk than it does when you're drinking water. That now, makes sense. Now, of course, you know, fat-free milk, that's, what, 90 calories for a cup, whereas water is zero calories for a cup. Um, and so if you were to have eight eight-ounce glasses of milk every single day, that's a lot of calories. That's a, right? Yeah. yeah that's, that's what, you better be seven, doing some yeah, long runs. 720 calories, <laughs> yeah. So you'd be more hydrated. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but but you would have taken on you know seven miles worth of calories as well. So you know kind of important to keep that in mind too. So yeah, milk and whole milk both hydrate you better than water. So um, hydration score around about one point five. They said. Okay. And so 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 you drink eight ounces of water, you hang on to say four ounces. Milk, you would hang on to six ounces of the fluid. That's interesting. I would say. In my own personal experience, whenever I'm done with a long run, I crave milk like crazy. Really? Yeah. Chocolate milk is like, you know, mm-hmm. legit. Uh, and they have, they have begun to market them. So I don't I don't know any of their numbers about how well they, they have, whether their sales have gone up after marketing themselves as a as a recovery drink. Yeah. But, yeah. Sure is tasty afterwards. And, and, and you hang on to more. Um, right. And the, the idea, by the way, is that um, because there are nutrients in milk, and of course, Human beings are pretty highly evolved when it comes to milk drinking. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, That's the other thing, too, is it's seen the most natural route, right, so to speak. Right, yeah. And so so because there are more nutrients in milk, the, the, the belief is that your body recognizes it, essentially, and it triggers you to hang on to more of it because of... of a natural inclination towards towards milk and hydration and nutrients. As opposed to like a sports drink, which we kind of tried to right. back engineer. Right. And we've exactly missed something. Yeah, exactly. But um, to oversimplify. Yeah, yeah. All right, so two more. Uh, I'm going to guess sparkling water is not one. No, it is not one. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't hydrate you any worse. It just doesn't hydrate you any better. I'm going to guess coffee is not one. It is not one. Um, but interestingly enough, okay, so, so since we're talking about coffee, another one that's probably obviously not one is beer. Oh right. yes, I forgot that was even an yeah, option. Yeah. And so, so, so coffee and beer—they don't, they don't, not—they—they they, they hydrate you about the same as water does. Um, and they found that that um, caffeine and alcohol—they um, had high hydration indexes, no different from water. Um, in other words, they're not dehydrating, despite common beliefs to the contrary. Um, now that being said, a whole lot of coffee. I mean, if you really drove up your your caffeine mm-hmm. levels like super high, or your alcohol levels super high, then there might be a place at which they would become dehydrating mm-hmm. as your body starts trying to get rid of them. But just eight ounces of beer, eight ounces of coffee, are, are as hydrating as eight ounces of water, just kind of taken by themselves. Yeah, and I wonder if the issue with coffee is not that it doesn't hydrate you, but it flushes things out quicker. What do you mean? Um. So, I mean, when you drink a cup of coffee, it's known to, you know, open up your bowels. That's part of the, mm-hmm. why people have it in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so then it almost... I wonder if they use the same term, voiding, when they're talking about bowels. I don't know. Let's not go into that too much. Anyway. Um, but I wonder if that's why, for example, people always say, make sure you have a glass of water after you have a cup of coffee mm-hmm. or a glass of beer. All right. All right. So, so perhaps. So then what were the other options for? All right. So, so the ones you haven't said yet. Hot tea, iced tea... Um, uh, orange juice and an oral rehydration solution like Pedialyte. I'm gonna go with the natural orange juice. So orange juice was slightly better than water. Yes. Okay. It was 1.1, whereas water is 1.0. Okay. So not a whole lot better, but better. Okay. Yeah. And then one more. All right. So then it's iced tea or hot tea. I'm gonna guess those are very similar. So then I'll go with the and and the oral rehydration solution. I'll go with the oral yeah. one. Yeah. That's and that's that and that that rehydrates you. That's like Pedialyte. Right. Those things. I mean. Okay, so that was kind of the gimme because that's the one that's a, they're 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 literally engineered. Well, I guess sports drinks are too, mm-hmm. but 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 they're engineered to to try and rehydrate people after they've been dehydrated following flu or things like that. You know, right? Um, but um, but yeah, Pedialyte um, and stuff like that has an index hydration score around one point five. So so it, it it hydrates you one point five times better than water does. 
Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, anyway, point being, think about what you drink. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to put milk into my hot tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Who so knows what that means? Yeah. So is that even out to like 1.2 <laughs> instead of 1.5 exactly, or 1? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Hot tea, so it's like 1.17. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. I got a couple more studies. You got something else to add before I just kind of study it up here? No, I kind of like this. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, we can do this every day, it's, man. It's study time uh, with George. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about absorption rates. Um, okay. And, and so this was kind of as we were looking at the various things and we were looking at all the, the, the research out there about hydration. Um, one of the things that kind of stood out, and it was sort of an obvious one, was about absorption rates. Um, and, and when we say absorption rates, that means that, that, okay, so you drink it, it goes in your stomach goes from your stomach into your small intestine. It passes from your small intestine into your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to potentially speed that up? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, because, as you know, you drink water, you're not going to sweat it out immediately. It just literally cannot enter your system fast, uh, right. quickly enough for that. That is, that is, by the way, side note, if you're in a hot race, the reason why you should also dump water on you. Mm-hmm. Um, because water that you dump on yourself has the same cooling effect as sweat. And obviously, if you just dump it on you rather than drinking it, it doesn't have to travel through your system in order to, to get out your sweat glands. Um, you can just put it directly onto your skin. Uh, but anyway. Since, um, and since we're thinking about Boston, those of you who ran or may remember from last year, Boston was extremely hot. Mm-hmm. And every water station I dumped a cup on, whether mm-hmm. I was hot or not, just yeah. because yeah. that very reason. And yeah. once you heat up, you can't cool off. Yeah, super hard. And and I think that's an important advice, too, for triathletes. I think, mm-hmm. I think triathletes are, are much more comfortable... Um, and it's much more common in triathlon to dump water on yourself mm-hmm. because the run always starts so much later in the day. Right. You know, if, if, and, and I've said this before, if, even if somebody's going super fast in a triathlon, even if they are leading the race, they're probably not going to be starting their marathon until about noon. Um, and, and yeah, and so, so a little, little bit afternoon. And triathlons tend to be between what, May and September? Yeah, yeah or exactly. So? And, and, and I mean, summer is triathlon season, exactly. Because right. you can't swim in a frozen lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so, you know, May, June, July, starting a triathlon, um, starting the run in midday, yeah, you're going to be hotter. I mean, triathlon runs are simply at a baseline, they're hotter than, than, than non triathlon runs. Uh, and so, yeah, and so as a result, the culture of triathlon, there's a lot more dumping of water on yourself. That was something I had to make myself do. When I, when yeah. I went from running to triathlon, I was like, I'm not going to dump water. I'm st- stupid. All right. and, and <laughs> you I look had, silly doing that. You look like yeah. Patrick doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, had, I had to convince myself that, no, that's, that's actually something that's, that's a perfectly acceptable mm-hmm. and valid approach in a triathlon run is to dump water on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you should do it. Um, anyway. Just a little side note. I've always yeah. wondered, why don't we start with the run in the triathlon? Because... And run in the morning. Because, because Is it logistically it, to get people in and out of the no, lake? No, it's, it's because for safety. Because if, because if, you, if you collapse on the run, uh, you're going right. to skin your knees. If you collapse on the swim, you're going to drown. Right. If you collapse on the bike, you're going to wreck and potentially break a bone, but you're not necessarily going to die. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's in descending order of, of risk of injury. That makes sense. Or risk of death. I figured there had um, to be some reason. Yeah. There are reverse triathlons out there. Mm-hmm. Um, triathlons where you where you run first, then you bike, and then you swim. Usually they're very short, mm-hmm. and usually the swim is in a pool. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never had any desire to do one, um, but uh, but yeah, there's 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 not any rankings around them or anything. Like that. They're kind of novelty things, kind of like color runs or something. Right. Um, anyway, um, 
they so can you speed up the absorption of, of, of water? That's where we were, um, or of liquids. Can can you speed the passage from your lips to your stomach to your small intestine into your bloodstream? Can you actually speed that up? Uh, there was a macro study uh, that was promoted uh, that was uh, published in Nutrition Reviews in 2015, uh, and they found, and I thought this is really interesting, and and. I come from a world of cycling and triathlon in addition to running. You're solely from the world of running, and so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what you have to say about this. Um, they found that when people consumed 20 ounces of fluid at a time, the fluid moved faster through their stomachs than when they ingested 13.5 ounces. When they ingested 13.5 ounces, that moved faster through their system than 7 ounces did. Um, and, of course, the idea there is the increased pressure in the stomach from more liquid sim- signals the body that it's time to get the digestion going, to actually sort of push it out of the stomach and into the small intestine and then, of course, into the, the bloodstream. Now, there's a cap. Once you get beyond 30 ounces, that's too much. 30 ounces actually slows back down again. Um, but they said 20 ounces moves faster out of the body than 13.5. 13.5 moves faster than 7. Um, now, if you operationalize that in a race, if you make that into your race strategy... It's going to say that, that rather than taking sips at every single aid station, at every you know five minutes along the course or something else like that, that maybe a few longer pulls on your body, maybe may, may hydrating less often but with more, is actually better. What do you think? What's the first thing that jumps out at you? Because a few things jumped out at me as soon as I read that, of course. Yeah, I would say the, the first thing I thought was, what does it say about just, like I said, just sipping on the cup, right? right. When you can only get three ounces probably, right. if that even, if right. you're trying to kind of Now, mind you, three ounces is still better than zero ounces. Right. For all those things that we talked about at the outset of the podcast, right? So, so three ounces is still better than zero because hydration still matters. But seven is better than three. Thirteen is better than seven. Twenty is better than thirteen. Mm-hmm. Thirty is not better than twenty, but twenty mm-hmm. is better than thirteen. Right. So. And then my other reaction is, believe it or not, just about every – so. I, my last like five or six marathons have been Boston or Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I've never raced a marathon where they're like, look, you got four miles between the next, between now and the next aid station. Yeah. So I've literally taken three cups of water slash Gatorade at every single mile yeah. for all those marathons, right. and never had an issue. Right. Um, that, that's what I did. That's what I did in New York. Yeah. In, in, in New York, because I realized I was getting so little from every single one of them because I'm so crappy at drinking out of cups. Um, that I was like, all right, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna get one at every station, mm-hmm. and I didn't take a gel at every station because they're every mile, and that would be too much gel. But but I but I got to where I was like, all right, my hydration strategy is just get in the two ounces that I can, right, as often as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Which again, it's better than nothing. But would it be better if I just skipped all of those and stopped at every fourth station and and literally stopped and drank like eight ounces and then mm-hmm. kept going, mm-hmm. or ten ounces and kept going. Right. Research since suggested that would, that would actually be a good approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I should also uh, clarify, I think, too, when you're stopping at each one and, and having kind of two or three at a time, mm-hmm. that's going to have a big difference on how you feel mm-hmm. at each stop mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, like, the, just the, the two-ounce quick. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, yeah, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna. You mean it's gonna stop your momentum more? No. So I, I should. So I've done every stop, three cups, every stop, mm-hmm. every mile, mm-hmm. and it's on the run. But you're just kind of knowing I'm gonna get mm-hmm. probably two out of the three ounces here, okay. and walk away with mm-hmm. eight ounces or so mm-hmm. for each mile. Um, so I don't have any big takeaways from that. So I'm interested mm-hmm. to see hear what you say. So, so in in Ironman, when I've done Ironmans before, and and where because you're getting to the run so much later mm-hmm. and in such a such closer to dehydrated mm-hmm. state 
you're you're already beyond mild dehydration at that point, right? right? And so so if you let it go too long, you're gonna. I, I would actually, in order to ensure that I got the water in, I would stop instantly and drink it real quick and go. Yeah. And, and I figured that the two seconds that I lost in stopping was, was far better than the 40 minutes I would lose if I got dehydrated because I didn't drink enough water. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a good decision. Now, because in running and in marathons, the races are shorter and they're faster and they're more intense, you know, you don't want to, I didn't want to stop. I don't want to stop that momentum. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, so yeah. I, I, so the thing that stood out to me is I thought about it. First of all, I was like, hey, this is great news for cyclists. <laughs> right. You know, because cyclists can, can make those those determinations. Yeah. You know, um, I think it's also, it depends on what you're drinking um, because, you know, we're, we'll, we'll have a, a conversation about nutrition and, and calories on some other podcast. Um, but, but if you drink like a, a really big amount, okay, so that might be a good thing as far as fluid goes, but it might be too many calories at once. Mm-hmm. And that's something else to kind of consider. Um, I also wonder, um, you know, you're always trying to strike this balance between between digestion and movement. Um, that that you know, where is your body devoting its resources? Is it devoting them to moving you down the road, or is it devoting them to digesting whatever it is that you took in? Right. And I think if if you said, all right, I'm going to only stop every fourth one, and I'm going to to drink as much as I possibly can, or you know, I'm going to drink eight ounces at every fourth stop, or something mm-hmm. like that. I feel like I don't. Something about that feels wrong because I feel like you're, you're you're forcing your body to make a choice towards digestion rather than towards movement. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And, and that that so 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 the the study kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit in that regard. Um, also, I, I do think it's important too. Circling back back around to what we talked about, hyponatremia is to pay attention to the total quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it definitely doesn't mean that you should be stopping at every single stop and drinking as much as you possibly can. Cause then you're actually going to be drinking too much. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> drinking too much water. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so you still pay attention to the total quantity. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So speaking of other things to get it absorbed and get it out of your gut faster, um, anything higher than 8% concentration of carbohydrates is too high. Okay. Um, that that fruit uh, fruit juice and a lot of different sodas have about twelve percent. Most sports drinks have about seven percent or less, and that's, that's kind of part of it. Um, have you ever been you know Infinite Nutrition where you can actually customize your drinks? Yeah, um, yeah. They actually have um, when you're building your drinks, you're like, okay, this is how many calories I want in, and all that sort of thing. They actually have a meter on there that says, hey, you've gotten too high here. Mm-hmm. This, this is this is too many calories. Right. Um, now, if you if you want to calculate the carbohydrate concentration of your drink, um, you like have something like I don't know Hawaiian Punch or something else like that V8 that you want you want to decide whether that's a good one. Uh, if you want to do that, just for those of you at home, you divide the amount of carbohydrate in one serving in grams by the amount of fluid in one serving in milliliters, and then multiply that by one hundred, mm-hmm. um, and that will give you the the carbohydrate concentration of of whatever the drink actually happens to be and like i said if it's if it's over like eight percent that's too high mm-hmm. your body's not gonna be able to process fast enough um, and it's going to pass more slowly through your stomach into your small intestine into your bloodstream mm-hmm. yeah um and then i'll give you an example of some of these things in just a minute and then the last one and i thought this was super interesting um that that the type of carbohydrate that you're actually ingesting. So assuming that you're taking a sports drink yep. um, or a gel or something like that as you're taking in your water, the, the type of carbohydrate that you take in um, uh, can influence that as well. Uh, specifically, there's a study in 2008 in Medicine and Science and Sports and Exercise, that journal, uh, that showed that if you take in different types of glucose or carbohydrate, you could absorb uh, one and a half or two times as much 
uh, carbohydrate back into your muscles, and so you'd be able to fuel yourself better if you're actually taking different types. Now, what that means there's 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 glucose and there's fructose and there's uh, sucro- fructose and sucrose um, and malodextrin are kind of the main things that they they use as sugars in drinks. And if you take a combination of glucose, fructose, sucrose, and malodextrin, you might actually be able to to absorb more than if you solely take malodextrin or you solely take glucose or you solely take fructose. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, which I think is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And so so drinks um, that have a combination of different types, you might actually be able, to be, be able to absorb more carbohydrates from those things, and they might be able to move uh, through your body a little bit more rapidly into your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting um, how complex this stuff can get. Totally. Um, and as a quick side note, by the way, I also found, um, you know one thing that really slows the absorption rate, ironically? Running? Yeah, no. Dehydration. Yeah. Yeah. And so so literally like like you you're getting dehydrated and so your body absorbs fluids even more slowly than it normally would. Right, because the engine inside essentially right. slows down. Exactly, right. exactly. Yeah, because the motor oil's not there. And so so, you know, vicious cycle. Yikes, right? Anyway, so Gatorade has sucrose and glucose, so it has two different types. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has six percent carbohydrate. Uh, Goo brew uh, has malodextrin and fructose, so again, two different types, and it has 5% carbohydrate con- uh, by, by concentration. Uh, Heed, which is the most disgusting drink ever concocted. Have you had it before? No, but why don't you tell us how you oh really feel God. about it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, people are real hot and cold with Hammer Heed uh-huh. because... Okay, so this is the thing that people are going to write to us on the Facebook page about. Um, because somebody's going to write to me like, oh, I love it. It's just so great. It's so much better than all the super sweet things. And everybody else is going to write back and be like, oh, my God, it's the worst thing ever created. It tastes terrible. Really? But, Can you even compare it to anything? Uh, vomit. <laughs> <laughs> A little acidic. Um, yeah, no, it's just not good. Uh, anyway, they, 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 they only have one... Um, uh, type it's malodextrin and malodextrin is more of a complex carbohydrate mm-hmm. um, and, and they market themselves to, to endurance like long endurance sports mm-hmm. um, ultra endurance events um, and so that's the reason why they use malodextrin more um, and it's 5% carbohydrate so again it absorbs pretty well Powerade has fructose and sucrose at 6% carbohydrates. Powerade has lots of other stuff in it too, though, I found, um, which I think is kind of interesting. Uh, Accelerade has sucrose, fructose, and malodextrin, three different types, but it's 8% carbohydrate, so it's kind of on the... the, the on the boiler. On, yeah, on the high end. Um, EFS, um, who was a sponsor of my wife a few years ago, and so I had a bunch of EFS stuff uh, early on in my endurance career. Um, they uh, have what they call complex carbohydrates, which is probably malodextrin. Um, sucrose and dextrose, uh, and it's also 8% carbohydrates. EFS also markets itself as being highest in uh, electrolytes and sodium. Uh, and then finally, Power Bar Endurance Sports Drink, uh, which is the one I always liked. Um, malodextrin, dextrose, and fructose, 7% carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. No wonder I liked them so much. Three different types of carbohydrate, and right there in that perfect 6 to 8% window. Yep. Yeah, yeah, very good. All right, man. I hate you with so much stuff. Like I said, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. <laughs> That's okay. Do you need a glass of water? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need, I need to rehydrate following uh-huh. this, this this major thing here. Not yeah, that right, hammer right. drink? Yeah, oh. that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's not heat, I'll take what you got. <laughs> um, all right, man. Final words on uh, on hydration, Patrick? Yeah, I would say the, the key takeaways are you need to think about it on a daily basis. Not think right. about it in the same way you think about, you know daily tasks but just kind of set a routine that works for me i have kind of a bit of a routine where if it's been a couple hours before where i've been at my desk for a couple hours i just know get up fill up the water bottle that way it kind of gives me a chance to stretch out the legs a bit and you know 
it's a, it provides a nice visual. I can know, have I had any water recently? Well, is the water bottle full or not? Plus, you get to schmooze with all your coworkers at the water cooler. That's right. right. We just we get to talk about the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. <laughs> and nice. Um, I keep it in my car. I not the podcast. I keep that in my car. Too. <laughs> but uh, but but no, I keep I keep water in my car. And so mm-hmm. since I have a longer commute, uh, I, I drink one on the way there and one on the way back. And it's it's kind of a it's kind of amazing. Everybody knows this because everybody's been on road trips, and you always have to stop to use the bathroom on road trips. Yep. Why do you always have to stop to use the bathroom on road trips? Because you drink more on road trips. Why you drink more on road trips? Because there's nothing else to do. Right. Right. If if you, if you put a bottle of liquid in front of you while you're driving or while you're sitting in the car, you're gonna drink it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of one of my daily routines. In fact, I think I'll stop at the Quick Trip as, after I leave here and uh, and get myself some more car water. There we go. Um, and then also think about how you want to plan on race day. How much you want to drink. Like I said, my race routine is to grab a water and a Gatorade at every stop. That way, not if, but when, I fumble one or two cups, <laughs> if not three or four. That's okay. I haven't kind of, you know, put all my eggs in one basket, so to speak, and planned on getting all my hydration at one mile marker. Um, another quick thing I want to want to point out. So Alex Hutchinson, who we've discussed um, earlier in the podcast. Who, who has now supplanted Matt Fitzgerald as the guy that I would like to be. Yes. Side note. That's Keep a good going. one. Yeah. You have a little bit more hair than him, so. Yes, I do. Take that, <laughs> Alex Hutchinson. Um, he had a good rule of thumb. He recent, recently released, um, he said, if you're running for 90 minutes, you can drink based on thirst. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you're only running for a total of 90 minutes. However, if you're, if you're going longer than that, drink before you're thirsty. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty good rule of thumb, not just for races, but also for, for training runs. So I wanted to throw that out there. Um, I wish I could take credit for that rule of thumb, but... That was from the one and only Alex Hutchinson, who is quickly becoming a superstar in the world of endurance research. Yeah, he's kind of everywhere all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good rule because the, the, the rule in cycling used to always be drink before you're thirsty and eat before you're hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of people, have, like Tim Noakes, have pushed back against that idea of, of not drinking to thirst. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's kind of a good middle ground. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that Alex Hutchinson, I think, is good at. He looks at all the research and he finds these sort of sensible middle grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, oh, it was it was under ninety minutes drink to thirst, over ninety minutes drink before you get thirsty. Correct. I think it's good advice. Um, thank you, Patrick. Thank you, George. Appreciate you having me in your home once again. Thanks everybody for listening. And once again, thanks for joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can reach out to us on Twitter, at Pleasant Podcast, or you can reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Pleasant Podcast. Reach out to our sponsor, ITL Coaching and Performance, at itlcoaching.com. Um, on Twitter, at ITL Coaching, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash ITL Coaching and Performance. If you have travel needs, reach out to our other sponsor, Casey, my wife, the travel planner. Just this week, she booked somebody a trip to Japan, and she was able to answer questions such as, do they have ruby red chocolate Kit Kats in Japan? I don't know the answer, but she found the answer. Facebook.com slash Casey Travel Planner MEV. Uh, drop her an email, Casey Travel Planner at gmail.com. That's K A C I E Travel Planner at gmail.com. Or on our website, CaseyTravelPlanner.com. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger, this is George Darden. Thanks again for joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.